Won't you give a warm big welcome as we welcome Pastor James up to come and share. Amen. And then where did, yeah, let me get that. No, no, I want, I want everything. All right. I'm not talking yet because I'm just getting set up. Okay, Father, I pray as we get into your word that you would help us, you would lead us, you would guide us, you would teach us. I pray, Lord, that we would, you would allow us to have a miraculous encounter with you. It would beyond, be, be, be beyond what a man would say, and God, let the words that I say be from you, anointed by you. Let them have a powerful impact in our lives. God, whatever we need today as individuals, I'm asking in these moments that you meet individual requests. And everyone may be hearing the same words, but being able to apply them in a multiplicity of ways. So, Lord, I ask you to think through my mind, speak through my mouth, let the words in my mouth and meditation of my heart be accepted in thy sight. Lord, you're my strength and redeemer. And every glad heart said, Amen. I apologize because the last time I got up, I don't even think that I acknowledged some of the great leaders that are here. And uh, I just got so right into the point that I just missed that opportunity to um, say what I have felt about um, Pastor Roger and Gillian and you guys hold African leadership team, I've been saying all week that it's, a, it's, it's become a model. It's got the grace. It has an anointing. Um, you can trust it. You make everybody feel at home. You are a model every nation church. Your campus ministry, I'm going to put it up against everything. I mean, it's, it, the, and what you guys have fought for in your nation, I mean, it's, it's evident, and you're winning. And, and I've told every one of the leaders, senior leaders here I can, you don't need to keep Africa a secret. Africa needs to get out in the world and lead. We need you leading. We need the way you lead. I told the way you lead worship. I mean, I, that's just world class. World class. Who the, who, the, who the guitar man? I call him guitar man. What's his name? Jonathan? Guitar man is smooth. Ooh. Man. I was like, that's good. What's going on? What's happening inside me? This is great. I don't even like guitars. I like organs. Y'all don't even have the main instrument I love, a, a B3 Hammond. So I took somebody somewhere right there with that information. Um, well, yeah, Pastor Roger, thank you guys. The way you host, and again, like I said, I've still been impacted uh, by you guys' leadership and, and ministry, and it's awesome. Thank you, Olajide, for that. Uh, uh, 
that introduction. I appreciate it. Thank you, Pastor Steve, for inviting me uh, off of my vacation to come and work. <laughs> I appreciate you. You know, I can count on you for, no, I just, no, no. <laughs> I, can, I can extend it. I've been given apostolic approval to extend my vacation. So all you need right there, I just, Steve Merrill said, you know, that's all I, I was going to drop that down. But no, seriously, thank you. I didn't know that I was coming here to be impacted. I thought I was coming to just, you know, bring some teaching, but I've been impacted. My life has been changed. Just in the prophetic uh, session, uh, the word that Pastor Manny, what you set up, I mean, that was worth my trip to Africa. Those, those, so that, that one simple untying of a knot was worth my trip to Africa. And, and I, I'm just reminded of how powerful uh, the prophetic could be. I'm going to attempt to apply some of the teaching that we heard today, which because my style is what I consider completely unorthodox. It's nothing that you should model your style after. You shouldn't try to do what I'm doing. In fact, I don't know if it's reproducible, but, you know, uh, it will have gospel content, you know, <laughs> just, just know I'm, I'm going to try to apply some of the teaching. Um, today, um, um, my, um, the guy who discipled me was Ronald Winans. He's passed away and gone to be with the Lord. But, um, and he used to sing this song. I don't know if y'all remember it. Uh, turn this in. I'm not really trying to sing it. I just, I just, I just pointed it. Uh, you ever read this song? Say, Wherever I go, let your spirit. I love when you sing. I love me. Wherever I go. Let me hear y'all. Do the next part. Desert. I'll find pleasure, and if in the valley, I really don't care. I'll walk through the wilderness, shadows of blackness. I'll never falter as long as you're there. Come on, everybody. Wherever I go, let your spirit. Follow me. Okay, I'll stop. So, now, what's funny about that song is how much I love it and how much it brought me power. And then I was, a, I'm giving you, I'm about to give you an inside track. Nobody knows this in the world. You'll be the first audience I say it to. So, one day I'm with Pastor Marvin and Ronald, and the big debate was who was the primary discipler of me. It's always the, it was the thing between the brothers. And so, and I was like singing his song, and Pastor Wine said, his song don't even have correct theology. The spirit don't follow you. You follow the spirit. <laughs> I said, I said, wow, oh, man. Oh, man. He messing up one of my favorite songs. <laughs> I was into that. Wow. Okay, so um, there's so many things that we may have 
picked up over time that is comes from a place that may not be biblical. It may not necessarily argue with scripture, but it's either not reproducible, not explainable, and therefore it goes in a category that you and I may not like. It goes in a category of that's weird or or some people are going to view it as off. And the reason is, it's not maybe because you're not having an authentic experience. It's just that that experience is not fully articulated or validated or expressed in a way that we can study in Scripture as something that we should pattern. And whenever you're having an experience in the Spirit that is legitimate, but you cannot find a place to, to develop a pattern of Scripture, then what you want to do is, as much as possible, put that in your private time. I know that was hard. Because the reason it needs to go in your private time is because your, the overall mission of the church trumps all individual experiences. I wish you knew the man, I wish you knew me well enough to know, for me to tell you that is a strike against myself. I am the walking definition of a weird experience waiting to happen. And I, I, I'm just, I'm just going to prove it to you. The first time, to, if you, and then it, just to give you a, a sense that I'm not telling any random stories, I'm going someplace each time. I'm going to talk about the partnership between the spirit and the word. And I'm going to show you this partnership that happens where the spirit is always confirming the word. Number two, the word is always confirming the spirit. And when the spirit and the word are aligned together, there's always powerful ministry that's not weird that begins to happen, but is deeply powerful and spiritual. So every story that I'm telling you or everything I'm doing is to prove these points. Okay? So I come from a more word background growing up as a lad. I've been a little bit of everything. Spent some time as a Catholic. So I love incense. I mean, it make me feel like I'm really in church. You give me some incense, oh, God, it's here. <laughs> I've been in, I've been in uh, Presbyterian settings, really orderly, really, you know, mm, 45 minute service, you out. I know somebody said, you didn't even have church. 45 minutes, y'all. Uh, Lutheran. And, and so I've, I've been, a, been a variety of things. So being Pentecostal or charismatic or going to a traditional African-American church that had some more uh, phenomenal characteristics like Pastor Chris talked about was a new experience for me. In fact, I spent a majority of my life teasing and imitating those people. I would be walking down the hallway in high school, and I would just I'd do stuff like that because I know they did it. Every now and then, I, that was a famous one I did. And 
And I had all these things I teased in, in, in you know, Pentecost and holiness churches. I used to, I used to just laugh. I, but one day I went in one. And I said to myself, they may do some weird stuff, but they sure seem to be enjoying Jesus. And I'm not enjoying him at all. So I may be not be able to relate to why they're doing all that stuff, but I'm hungry for it. And I learned something about hunger. God meets you at the place of your appetite or your expectation. If you have a low expectation, you will have a low level of a demonstration of the Spirit. He won't bother you with it. He won't bother you with it. So just you have to stay balanced because I'm going to free you at one point to get everything you can from God. And I'm going to put you in a box at another. Okay, so you, so you got to live. That's my assignment. I'm going to free you up to get everything and I'm going to put you in a box. So enjoy it. Enjoy everything I'm saying. And just say, yeah, and try. I'm going to experience that today or tomorrow. I'm going to give me some gold dust. Get all of it. Just get let all whatever you want. But then I'm going to put you in a box of what our corporate assignment is and a corporate pattern. So the first time I'm at Pastor Marvin Wine's church, and I'm a Catholic and a Lutheran. When we pray, we pray silently in the prayer meeting. Under your breath, to yourself. No, it's pretty. I went to their first prayer meeting and they was way too loud. Hallelujah. Thank you, 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 thank you. I said, I can't hear myself think. <laughs> so it was too much for me. So, but I, but I stuck it out because I like to be around people who love Jesus more than me. I just thought, man, this is too much. I don't want to give that much emotion to things. And it's funny, funny to hear me teaching something like that when you know how much emotion I give to stuff. First time I had seen it on TV, people being laid hands on and they fall out. And I had made a silent statement to myself. A covenant of sorts, as I've seen these things over time. Hmm. I wish I was in a prayer line when somebody tried to push me down. <laughs> Let that happen. Yeah, let's go there. Don't push me. Huh? I go to church, but don't push me. They just pushing a bunch of people down on the floor. It's nasty on the floor. They ain't pushing me on the floor. So, so I'm at Pastor Wine's church. I'm at a Thanksgiving revival at the church. The mother, Fields Davis Roof, is running the revival. She she died at 105. Uh, she was so this would mean when she was 89 or something. She looked skin was like butter. She was she looked beautiful, uh, and so. They called me down for special prayer with the Pastor Marvin Wine is standing here and Mother Fields Davis Roof. 
and she got in front of me, and she said, raise your hands up. And then, and then, so this is what I did. You can't see my feet down here, but I raised my hands up, and I put one f leg back. <laughs> and it's me and this church mother, and let's see who's going to win this. 89. She, she don't have no chance of pushing me down. I got my eyes bucked at her. I'm, I've been waiting for this for years. So, so Pastor Winans comes in my ear, and he yells at me, relax. God ain't going to hurt you. I don't know why. I just, I just, I heard the voice of authority. But something about even simple obediences, I relaxed. Now, I don't know how I got on the floor. I, to this day, I don't. I don't. Because I'm not a floor. I'm not going to give you a, a CD, a courtesy drop. I'm not giving you nothing. But I'm on the floor. Not only I'm on the floor, I can't get up. Not only am I down there, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling delighted and all giddy. Wondrous and confused at the same time. They drug me up about an hour later. then I became what I think happens to a lot of us who have a first-time experience. I became a spirit-hungry, addicted junkie for anything out of the ordinary. It was asking me to come get some, and I was ready. And I went from having individual experiences, you must hear me, to becoming the focus of what was going on. For me to get what I wanted individually, I robbed the glory. It didn't seem like it to me. I'm just having fun. I robbed the glory. And this is how you know I robbed it. They had to assign four ushers to me every Sunday. Because I could clear out whole rows of people. Whole rows. I mean, Pastor, you have to understand, I come from a, this is a wild place, like everything except, but whatever I was doing would make Pastor Winans be in the pulpit. He'd be getting ready to preach. And he'd be standing there looking at me on the front row, because I sat in the front row. And he would lean out, are you going to let me preach? I said, yeah, preach. He said, are you done praising God? <laughs> yeah. I said, yeah. He said, if you praise him again while I'm preaching, they're going to take you, they're going to drag you out. <laughs> and for weeks, they drug me out. Because every time he said, you know, the Lord, I said, hallelujah! <laughs> no. When I go home, it, it's so famous. It's so famous. They still talk about it. And I've asked for all the tapes to be burned, but they said, no, we got it on tape. It's on tape. 
But most of y'all don't have v, uh, VCRs anymore, so I just, it's on tape. How could something so good be twisted? Because the power is good, but the vessel is broken. I'm seeking God in my brokenness. But you know what I really needed? And I got it. That's how I changed. I needed discipleship. And I'm going to tell you at risk, what risk it came. You just got to hear this. This is my warm-up. I'm going to get into a, a nice didactic linear teaching with points. Don't worry about it. But you got to get this. Because I hope to prevent it. Because I actually think how I behave prevented some people from saying yes to Jesus. I know it did. So now I've got a campus ministry, don't know it's a campus ministry, called Christ Within. It's so, because of the phenomenal part of my personality, it wasn't even word-based. It was experience-based. People would line up outside my Bible study hours in advance to get in. They weren't coming for Jesus. I know it seemed like they were. They were coming for something very individual because they're capped at who the leader is. That's what I was coming from. It was for something about me, what I wanted. But this is the day. Do y'all know who Donnie McClurkin is? So, okay. So, So you have to understand that Donnie McClurkin, I was a pastor before him, as great as he is. And he, he was a poor, like, missionary. We used to just, we used to give him rides. And we gave him rides to our campus ministry. He a multimillionaire now. I, so we moved him into every one of his places. He stayed in little creepy places. So he was up as my guest speaker. And Ronald was there sitting here. He's up front. I'm in the back praising God by myself. And I haven't noticed, I'm, i got to illustrate this. You got it's going to change your life. You'll never do something like this. So I'm in the back of the meeting by myself. Unfortunately, it's a true story. <laughs> do not film this. I don't want this back on film. Okay. So I'm praising the spirit is high. It's all authentic. But I'm in my own world. I get to praising God so much that I done fell out by myself. I'm on the floor like a worm. (laughs) Worming around. And all of a sudden, as they described it back to me, I'm walking on all my legs kind of barking. you to get this picture. This could be you. <laughs> I'm getting close to the front. I want you to notice this. Where our first time guests and visitors were sitting. <laughs> now, now, if you're enjoying Jesus and get power God ever been on you, you enjoying yourself, but it ain't helping the mission. So here's the front row of my mission, the lost people we've got to our meeting. This 
is a girl right here. This is the elder of the church and Donnie up speaking. And I'm still going. Hur, 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 hur. This don't look good. This is wrong. And, and, and the bad thing is, I still didn't come out. They rolled me off of her. And, you know, it's, my embarrassment is your joy and hopefully your lesson. They rolled me under the legs of Ronald Wines because I couldn't be held by anybody else. The whole meeting, I shook. They went on and preached because they couldn't drag the leader of the meeting out. I couldn't introduce the guest. But it was the spirit. It's easy to look at me and laugh. Man, it made me look at myself. So the elders took me out to eat with all my disciples who were going to follow that pattern. And they took me to the scripture. I, I, I can quote it, but I forget where it's located. It says, uh, they said, you, you are, you're, we're going to let you read. We're at the table. That was a big honor to be called upon to read the scripture. And I was called to read the scripture. And, and they said, read it. And I started reading. And they said, no, read it with power and out loud. We don't care how loud you are. Okay. I, said, I said, I'm ready. The spirit of the prophet. I started, you know, because that was theatrical. It's subject to the prophet. And then they proceeded to openly rebuke me in front of all the people I led to Jesus. Right then and right there. Because I was more concerned about my individual, personal expression and move of the spirit than I was about the corporate assignment we had and the purpose for which the Spirit was poured out on me to have an anointing to do things that I'm doing now, prophesy to people. And uh, now, if I was alone, me and Jesus, he might have been enjoying it too. James, you enjoying yourself? You like how I'm giving you the glory? He might have just been happy with me. But I can't be in his way when he's doing his work. Believe it or not, I'm not so far gone that that story doesn't embarrass me. But I believe God gave it to me so that somebody could know. I know what every type of heavenly experience is. Just think about all the things that you ever heard happen. Think they probably happened to me. And it's still God's given me a balanced perspective. As we look at Luke. Four, you're going to see, the first thing you're going to see is the, the Spirit confirming the Word. Then you're going to see that the Word returns to favor and confirms the Spirit. Then you're going to see Jesus bring the combination of His Word and the Spirit together to produce powerful 
ministry that's not spooky, that's not weird, that's not mystical at all. Not even a hint. And if anybody could be a mystic, I think the Son of God could be top on that list. All right. Thank God for Roger having glasses. All right, now, and Jesus, I'm going to try to practice what Pastor Steve said, and then I'm going to go back through this text line by line. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. Another scripture in the Bible says that he was full of the Spirit beyond measure. And the next thing it says is that he was led of the Spirit. So we see a correlation already. When you're full of the Spirit, then you're also, therefore, led of the Spirit. So when God commands you to be filled with the Spirit, over and over, be being filled with the Spirit, what he's really saying is, be led of my Spirit with all of the power that my Spirit makes available at all times. Be not drunk with wine, but be continuously filled with the Spirit. Do not look at Jesus as one that was filled beyond measure with the Spirit, then led of the Spirit as if that's nothing that you can obtain. We're to walk like he walked and live like he lived and do what he's done. And in greater fashion, his secret was, I'm going to be full of the Spirit and I'm going to be led by the Spirit. Now, the next thing he did is he led him to a, thank you, he led him to a, and in the wilderness, the scripture says in Mark, there was wild animals, wasn't anything to eat. Jesus is out there where the lions and the tigers and the bears are. Oh, my. Wizard of Oz, y'all, come on. You know, he's out there. Do you mean to tell me that right after his great baptism, the best gift, baptism gift he can get is being led by the Spirit to a dry place where his life was in danger and you can't eat and keep physical strength? to do anything about it, God will lead us places when we're full of his spirit that we would not choose to go, to do things we don't want to do, to be vulnerable and at risk the whole time. But he's not sending Jesus there to lose. He's sending him there so he understands you're a winner at all times when you're clothed with my spirit. Don't you understand? It doesn't matter where you go, you're a winner when you're clothed with his spirit. But are your decisions to be in a place motivated and inspired by the spirit or did you somehow put yourself there? Did you anoint and appoint and send yourself? 
And did you spend one moment in the Spirit, but not a lifestyle of the Spirit, so you can only hear, hear what he said in a moment, which he, you only know in part and prophesy in part, but you can't put all those parts together for a meaningful, consistent existence. So you reject the wilderness because how could God be sending you to that place, that campus, that person, that direct? How could he do that to you? So he goes on, he says, to be tempted of the devil. Now, don't get ahead of me. <laughs> you be tempted of the devil. And when they were ended, the 40 days, he was hungry. He was human. The scripture is making it clear, everything you're hearing now is not him depending upon who he is as son of God but son of man. He hungry. When I go on a fast, I'm hungry. And I always want my fast to be supernatural. I go and I'm not hungry, but I am hungry. No, Jesus was really calling his fast because he was, the Bible said he wasn't, he, he was hungry after. Now I want you to know something. Well, before you know it, what does verse 3 say? Verse 3. And the devil said to him, see, it's right when you had your biggest spiritual revival, you're you, successful at 40 days, you've been with God, the next big thing the Spirit is leading you to face is your arch enemy. The devil said, no matter how much God had blessed Adam and Eve in the garden, he left one instruction for them not to do. He didn't leave them there because he thought they should fail or they were ill-equipped. But Satan came and immediately said, have God said, this is your big test. Do you, remember this point right here is the spirit confirming the word. So he has a spirit. Now he has an enemy. Now what's happening? He says, and the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And the okay, so, so here you have Jesus using the direction of the spirit to use the right word to defeat whatever his enemy is bringing up. The job of God, the Holy Spirit, is to lead us and to guide us into all truths, to help you understand what you need to say, when you need to say it, how you need to say it. It's written. You see, the first thing, he said, if you be the son of God. But in verse, in chapter 3, at his baptism, heaven had already opened up, and he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Your identity in Christ will be under attack immediately. Who he called you to be, who he, Matt, Pastor Manny said it's so good. Every time we get up here, it's a miracle. Every time we get up here and walk in our office, you have to walk by faith. Because I have to be full of the Holy Ghost when I get up here because the enemy said, what do you think you're doing? Who do you think you are? What authority do you think you have? 
When did you achieve that bigger deal where you can speak with that type of authority? Why don't you be quiet? I have to say, it is written. God called me. He appointed me. You, you have to have something to say back to him. When they were saying, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. That means he, he had given them manna. When they need, in other words, God is your provision. God is your provision. But, but what you need here is a word every day. Just like you need to eat something every day, you need a word every day. You need a rhema word, a specific, individual, and special word. You say, that's too much. I get that every now and then. I, I, I'm here to challenge you leaders. Every now and then won't cut it in this world. Every day of your life, you need a communal moment with God where you're getting specific words to deal with the challenges that are going to come your way immediately. Because the devil didn't take vacation because you did. The devil doesn't take a day off. His work day doesn't end at five. In fact, he waits till you're hungry. He waits till you're sleepy. He waits till you're tired. When do most sins take place? At night, when you're tired and sleepy, when you're weak, when you're not thinking, when you're opened up. That's why the old saints will have you pray when you wake up and pray when you go to sleep. That's why you don't, you're trying to, don't go to sleep with your TV on. You go to bed with your social media. And why, I, I, yes, Lord, I'll tell you. Why do you think and I think that we are strong enough to do anything we want to do? You're not strong. I'm not strong enough. I had to tell myself a long time ago, I can't even watch kissing in movies. When did you get to the point where you can just watch everything? Well, that's, well, that's not pornography. What did, no, it's just stimulating you. When did, what, what, what on social media is really benefiting your life? I'm not telling you not to do it. I'm trying to tell you, is it doing something to you or are you doing something with it? Now, now I'm from the old school. Y'all better start talking back to me or I'm going to camp out right here and it's not going to be pleasant. I mean, I got a whole lot to say, but, you know, I know the spirit, so you better talk. Like, if you want me to go past and say amen quick. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We can just go to the next one. Then. Okay. The devil said to him, no, you'll just go, go back. Yeah, go up. And the devil, devil took him up to it and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and in a moment of time. And said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been written delivered to, uh, and delivered to me. It has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be all yours. And Jesus said, so I love this one. The devil will give you an alternative career. If you would like, there's one available to you. It's one available. He said, it is written, you should worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. 
Worship is what you give your attention to, what you give your homage to, what you give your focus to, what you bend your knee to, what you give glory to. Are you giving glory to yourself? Because your biggest enemy is you. He told Eve, this tree, this disobedience, God going to make you wise. He didn't even ask for worship for himself. Self-worship, selfishness, self-centeredness, how I like to praise him. It's all a root. It's all a root of what I want to do, how I want to do it. It's what are you giving worship to? Who are you giving the worship to? It's only to go to God because it's written there. But you've got to ask yourself the question. Have you exchanged what God wants for what you want? Right now, are you living out the calling he's given you or the one you want? Are you living to make money or are you living to live again? What is it? Because, and I'm going to tell you, every one of in this room is going to have to face that temptation. And you will have to face it every other day. You, you don't think as great as a gift as Pastor Steve had, he couldn't run a, a, a major corporation? These are worldwide giga gifts. They're designed to be prosperous. Or they can dispense themselves into others and make prosperity flow everywhere. Or you can bottle it up for yourself, package it and drink it and enjoy it and sip it and just lounge in it and enjoy it for yourself. Take your inheritance on earth. Got what I want now. When Pastor Rice came to me and said, I want you to be Pastor Bethel, it was at the same time that I was in a multi-million dollar deal uh, with one of my uh, companies called Fruity Fruits. I have multiple companies. And I'd always been bivocational. I've always had multiple jobs. But it was a holy and divine moment. Pastor Rice was saying, there's no way for you to hold on to everything you do and become the best pastor or minister you could be. It's a challenging thing because here's your spiritual leaders saying, hey, I can see what God is doing. Either you trust God's system, either those have been given uh, rule over you to give an account. Either that's a real thing or it's fake. So I'm listening and I got the deal at my lawyer's office and and I've made the decision I'm going to do both. And the then the company called me and said, we want you to be the owner and the operator. Because I just made it where I could be the owner and just get the benefit. Say said, now we want you to be the owner-operator. And they said, you can't do the church and us. So I got, I got two calls. I got two things. Success. I guess in my hands. How many people like I have a million dollars in a day? Two million. You know, that, that, that's hard. You know, it's a lot of money now. And that was a long time ago. I would have turned that million into multiple millions. And, and here it is. He says, the guy says to me, he says, look, what you want to help? A few thousand people at your church? Or you want me to help you reach millions of people for a long time? He said, that, it's a, he said don't make a dumb choice. Church going to be there. Now, when you're in the throes of it, if you're not clothed with the spirit, you know what that sounds like? That make a lot of sense. That didn't sound dumb. 
Now, because I just so happened in that moment to be clothed with the Spirit, my, my, the off detector went off. Mm, off. This is off. This is off. Oh, I like it, but it's off. It's off. It's a temptation. It's a solicitation. It's an enticement. I actually desire it. I'm about to be drawn away on my own lust. I want it. What is lust? Lust is to superimpose your will above the will of God. That's all it is. Quit thinking about it as something sexual because you're going to miss how the devil is tricking you because sin entered the world through lust. Lust is to superimpose your will over the will of God. I know God had already spoken to me about being a pastor. He did not speak about me about being the head of a company or a CEO, but it was good to make the money. And I am at a temptation point. And I say, no, thank you. Leave the money on the table. And I go back and work at the church. And they, they can't compete with that salary. They say, man, we, we grateful. We'll try. I mean, I mean, you just at that point, you're just like, hey, whatever you got. I mean, it's, it's obviously it's God. And, and you would think because God is saying, well, you had to make the sacrifice. I'm going to make this job easy. No, it was hard. <laughs> at least make the job easy. No, no, because... What we're trying to figure out when he says it is written, we're not the boss. We are not the boss. Just because I'm, I'm, I, I'm pacing myself good, how much time do I really have? No, see, that's cheating because I know it's at least 24. Good. I received that. No, I was just teasing with him. Y'all know I was teasing with him. All right. Let's keep going. What verse am I at? Who? Eight? I'm going to have to get my eyes fixed before all of this. This is tough. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you should, not, you should worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Verse 9, and he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down here, for it is written, uh, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on the other... Uh, and on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus said, uh, you, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And then the devil, and when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time, to another opportune time. This, this, uh, this is not going away. So we see in this section that, that the Spirit of God revealed illuminated again to him what the word of God is. He articulated what the word says. We know in Jesus' prayer life, he was, he was revealed to him by the Father what was going to go on. He had already decided he was only going to say what the Father even say. He had the help of the Holy Spirit. So he is living out life the way we should, which is spirit-led, spirit-empowered, spirit-clothed, and the way you know that you're living out that spiritual life, you are always speaking the word. You always have a word for every situation. You're always defeating the devil. He is never defeating you. And when he comes at you with your personal needs or with your career or, or with just trying to force God to get something done in the earth you want done, you know how to respond to him. This next section helps us understand that the word will confirm that the spirit is alive in us. And Jesus returned in power in the spirit in Galilee. 
I love that. I mean, once you get done with a fight with the devil, you want to know that you came out with some power and some victory. You came out like, you know, after, and when you get victory, victory begets victory. So if you, if you start getting some victories under your belt, you begin to live victorious. That means that just like the devil is coming, your, your answer, your counterpunch, your combinations, your, the way you fight the good fight of faith, it, it's consistently aware that you have trained yourself for this fight. And if you didn't know you're in a fight, Verse 16, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And all the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And they began to say, no, no, I'm going to stop there. So, Number one, it was his custom to be in the place of worship. The Bible commands us not to forsake the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of such is. In America, the average church attendance has gone down once a month. If you, let me tell you how much church you need to, to be successful. Let me help you understand. You need a leadership group. You need a group you're leading. That'll help you stay sharpened. You need to come to any type of midweek service if you have one. You need to come to the church service to worship and the church service to serve. And then you need to probably say every month or every other month, what type of extra conference or something that my church is providing and am I going to? In addition to all your other things, you need to do all that to make it. And when you think you're going to get away with making it, with all, all that, I want to tell you something as loud as I can. You have been lied to because I don't mean to boast. I spend more time in the Bible than you. I pray more than you. I live holy and I can declare it. And it's taking every church service I can get to to keep the devil at bay. Now, you are a special person when it takes less for you than it does for me. I'm serious. Now I'm going to, I told you, I showed up across the waters and got a word. Well, we didn't cross water, did we? Yeah, we did. It was his custom. Okay, so Pastor Steve was teaching on worship and worship service. So here's how their worship service went that Jesus went into. I wish I had a can help me with that. You know, I want a nice PowerPoint one day. That's just something God may use you to do in my life. Um, so they would have a invocation, start out with a blessing. Then they would say the same scripture every time, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, like, Behold, O Israel, our Lord is one. 
and they begin to, you know, scriptures talking about, you know, teaching the word and living the word and all of the promises along with that. Then a Old Testament, a prophet and a law scripture would have been chosen, a portion of scripture. Then right after that would be just a small sermon and sometimes a small discussion. And then there'd be someone that would do a benediction. That was their service. Jesus is at the portion of the service where he's been selected to get a text. Now, it's unclear to me because I've heard it both both ways. Was they in the thing where sometimes they read the same scripture on the same day every year? Did he just show up at that time right when this scripture is being spoken or did he choose the text? I think it's a little debatable, so I just wanted to give you that seasoning. He reads it, which is cool, and now they're waiting on him to give a little teaching. His teaching is, oh, good, and that's me. <laughs> they knew this to be a scripture significant with the Messiah. Jesus is saying that this word is confirmed by the fact that everything in this word that the Spirit is empowering me to do. Heal the sick, raise How do you know? John the Baptist said, are you really the one? He said, tell John that the blind, are, blind can see, the lame can walk. You know what I'm saying? The gospel's being, he said the gospel, but the kingdom's being preached. The year of the Lord's faith. He began to say, look at what the Spirit is doing in my life as a confirmation that I've got the right word. I'm, I'm the guy in the book. What is the Spirit doing in my life and in your life that is a confirmation of your calling? Is it things that we can't find in the book? Or is it things that we can find in the book? Is it things that are outside of the realm of, 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 of something that somebody else can confirm? Or we can find it. Jesus found it. And they were amazed at it. And then, especially when you're around your kinfolk, here's what happened to him. Just because he's doing the right thing. He said, today the scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And he spoke, verse 22, and all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming out of his mouth. Doesn't that sound good? They like that. Ooh, Jesus, you good. You didn't grow up so nice. But then they changed on him. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? Why are y'all up in here talking like he a rabbi? Somebody with power. And they said, doubtless, you will quote to me this proverb, physician, heal thyself. In other words, now, now they're saying, if, you think, if you're the Messiah, we know that the Messiah is going to come healing people and all this. So the next step, you're going to tell us that those miracles, you, you, you're you going to say you do all that too, huh? That what you're trying to tell us? So he's being doubted at the very moment. Look, you have a gift. You have an unction. You have an anointing according to the Scripture from the Holy One. The Bible says the anointing abides in you, and you need not that another teach you, for the same anointing that abides in you should teach you all things. There, there is a grace of God on you, just like there's a grace of God 
and a calling of God on Jesus. And the same way that they doubted him, they will doubt you. But you need these confirmations that you've got the word backing you up and you've got the spirit being revealed in your life that's backing you up. Are you only someone who remembers what God said, but you cannot do what God said do? And the only problem that you have there is you haven't sat under the word long enough to develop enough faith to know you could do it. Because the words I speak, Jesus said, they are spirit and they are life. John 6, 63. Every time you speak a word, it's, the spirit is there. And every time the spirit is there, a word is there to confirm it. Verse, and he said to them, and he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. You know, the first people you have problem with when you tell them you called is your mama, your daddy, and your sister. They'd be like, you, you couldn't be called. You just, you just cussed me out. You just did that. They know all your sins. That's my point. Your family know all the stuff. They know all of it. They ain't not buying it quick. You're going to have to deal with them. You have to live the life in front of them. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet. Uh, but in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up three years and six months and a great Famine came over all the land, and Elijah sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, Elisha. And none of these was cleansed, but only Naaman, the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of a hill of which they, uh, of the town that they had built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But he passed right through the midst of them and he went. And he went away. Now, Jesus' mission is on his mind. And he's not in church to be religious or go along with the program that they don't understand by the Spirit. He begins to reveal to them that salvation is not just of the Jews. It's to the Jew first, but it's also to the Gentile. He's beginning to show them that God had already set a pattern where he was going to bless people who weren't just Jewish. He blessed, he could have blessed some of those widows, but he blessed the widow at Zarephath. He could have blessed uh, some of the lepers and heal some of them, but he cleansed Naaman. He is mission-minded. What's making him powerful is the focus of the Spirit is on his true mission, and he is not getting involved with the way they did church at that time. So here, here's how it applies, okay, because y'all looking at me strange. Y'all got to build up back up your amens and your faith. The devil ain't going to trick you. You need this message, okay? So you wake yourself on up. So you ain't here doing your church service the way you want to do it and how you want to do it. But I'm telling you that you don't need to get caught up inside and forget the outside mission and the outside work we've got to do. 
you can't get into so much enjoying yourself and all of the things he could have been talking about. They were about making it more comfortable for them in the temple. He was talking about his mission to the lost. That's what the Spirit will reveal to you. When the Spirit is never revealing to you lost people and, and how you can advance the kingdom, you are not getting to that depth in God where you actually are getting the heart of God. If everything is an individual prophecy you're looking forward to, I'm telling you, don't, don't be offended, but it could, your individual prophecy, prophecy might be robbing you of a ministry. Because you're, med- you're meditating too deeply on it. Ooh, God said I'm going to be rich. He meant in heaven. <laughs> I don't know that. That's not by the Spirit. I'm on my last point here. But I don't know what verse I'm at. Yes. So here it is. As we come to this final point. If the spirit and the word are working in cooperation. In a person's life. We should be able to do exactly what Jesus was about to do right here. And he went down to Capernaum, the city of Galilee. And he was teaching them on the Sabbath. I want you to know that Jesus actually lived here according to Scripture. Like he couldn't hang out in his hometown anymore. He moved to another place. He moved to Capernaum. And they were astonished at his teaching. For his words possessed authority. And in the synagogues, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, He came out of him, having done no harm to that man. And they were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word? For with authority and power, he commanded the unclean spirits. And they came out and reported about him. A report went out about him everywhere in the surrounding areas. I want you to notice a couple of things here. Number one, I'd like to say it this way. Jesus was smooth. Now, isn't it funny that this demon only was yelling out a truth, but yet Jesus wanted to silence him the truth? Because a truth misplaced or wrongly placed or out of timing could be something that is uh, destructive. Jesus also was walking in the gift of discernment of the spirit. He could discern what was authentic and he could discern what was a a distraction or what was going wrong. And, And notice that, that, that Jesus immediately took, uh, took authority in the situation, and he silenced the spirit. He rebuked the spirit. The spirit came out of the man. Did Jesus go looking for a fight with the devil? He didn't. Is there ever a scripture that you remember where Jesus said, I was looking for the devil so I could cast him out? Ever. Okay, this is another thing. 
So when you say, or oh, the Spirit was leading me, and I was looking at people's eyes, and I just saw something weird, and I, would, I went after it. No. The devil exposed himself. The sign that you need, if we're just going to stick in the book, okay, because there's other reasons you can go after something, and it might be legit, but the reason we stay in the book, the reason that he went after the devil is because he reared his head inappropriately. You don't think that every time Jesus was around, he didn't discern all the devils? Why did he pick this one out? You don't think it was other devils in the room? They were smart enough to be quiet. <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't need to go picking a fight with the devil. He is a, wor- he is a serious opponent. Respect, <laughs> you know, you go up and box somebody, have some respect against who you're fighting. He's no slouch. And he's relentless. You knock him down, he's getting back up and coming again for another opportune time. Jesus did not pick a fight. I was with a, um, I was in a, one of my small group Bible studies. And, and I just want you to know, this is, this is an, a, to me, appropriate use of the power of God, not a phenomenal use of the power of God. It's different. I could be flamboyant with my gift, and you know what? You think he's powerful. Or I could be led of the Spirit as I use my gift, and you'll think, wow, look at Jesus. The difference is both times my gift will probably work, but I would have robbed the glory. So a guy comes into my small group Bible study. I have been on a, I've been weak getting people saved by the tens, feel, I mean, is it, I was, people were making appointments with me just to get saved. I had a guy, I had about 10 guys in a room. I was, I was, um coming in. And I just taught on the Holy Spirit. I walked out for a minute. I said, I'm going to come back and the power of God's going to come and you guys are going to get filled. A guy comes in the room, real proud. He said, the power of God is not real. Who you think you are, man? I said, hey, man, just, just leave. No. Nah. I said, give me your hand. This is not being phenomenal. This is putting something in its place. I said, the power of God is not real. I said, power God on you. Bam, we down. I said, somebody pick him up. I said, the power of God is not real. He said, I don't, uh, it ain't real. I said, power God on you. I ain't even touching nothing. Down. He left that day saved and filled with the Spirit. Because that's the proper use of the power of God was not to display you or that you can move like that It's a tool to advance the kingdom and the purpose and the mission. And as long as you have an appetite for for all that, I want some of that other stuff. Oh, who's doing that? Who's doing this? Oh, the devil, I got you. Whoa, name and a name and a name. As long as you want to do some theatrics. And I'm I'm telling you some of the stuff's going to work. But you know what? You're going to be emptying your heavenly bank account because you didn't advance the kingdom. And you didn't make better disciples, which is a command. Teaching them to observe and to do all these written. What I'm telling you is in the book. I got three minutes left before I need to activate you a little bit. And that's the last thing I'll just paraphrase. Jesus went on to his mother-in-law's house. I mean, uh, Peter. That's why you said, you know what? 
That just said, I'm going to read this text. That's what Pastor said. Merle, he said, you hate, he just taught us. Don't run past the text. Read the text. And he rose, verse 38, and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. Oh, glory to God. I'm feeling the glory of God. Hey, my God. I'm feeling the glory of God. He stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she rose and began to serve. And after that, they keep, they keep bringing sick people to Jesus. He keeps simply healing them, laying his hands on them. It's an act of faith. When you are going to operate in the gifts of God powerfully and you don't want to move as faith being the primary tool that gets you there, you're actually building in a solical way. And because the mercy of God will show up sometimes and allow a person to be touched by your your lesser ministry, that means it wasn't skillful. You begin to build a pattern toward the grace instead of a pattern toward the blessing and the power. And that's where it needs to be. Every gift and everything you're doing needs to be accompanied by the balance of the word and the spirit so that you may minister in confidence the power of God. You don't chase anything, and you don't, you know, and you don't run away from anything. You don't run away from the devil, and you don't run away from, I don't want to pray for blind, this person's blind, I don't want to pray for them because, you know, what if it, they don't get healed? See, see that devil? Now, did that statement come from God, or did it come from the devil? Oh, talk to me now. Yeah. You don't want to pray for somebody because you're uncertain if they'll get healed. He says in the scripture that by a scripture, quote the word, stand on the word, meditate the word, activate the word, but don't relent from the word. Well, what if it doesn't happen? Then it's not your business. But it is your responsibility. So two things we're going to do in the, in the ten, ten minutes of this activation or, or five. Okay, well, it's, it's an actor. It's not an activation, it's an actor. <laughs> okay, just simply, simply, you see, I'm, I'm going to do it simpler. I know by the spirit of Almighty God, don't be offended because I know by the spirit, and I know he won't let me go. When there is sin in our life, the Bible says that that um, the Lord's arm is not too uh, short that he can save, nor his ear too dull to hear. It is your sin that separates you from God and your iniquity that hides his face from you. In his face is his mouth, is his word, is his approval, his disapproval. But there is a, an inability to have a certain flow. It's because sin and iniquity exist. They stay cloaked, they stay hidden, 
and that's the way I am, that's the way I think, that's the way I feel, that's just my personality, that's just my attitude, that's just my thing. But no, you are full of the Spirit, and when you're full of the Spirit, He will lead you. Somebody can come up on the piano, whoever it is. You, just no piano, just you. Uh, okay. Uh, so, you have got to deal with this on a regular basis. You got to deal with it now because I can feel it holding back something in the spirit. And a group of leaders, you know, the biggest thing. I love when Pastor Steve Merle, we, we were doing a victory, victory weekend together. And he said, you know, I get something every time. I get something every time. You're not going to live in this world and not get muddy. That's why Manny was just talking about condemnation comes to everybody. But you have to have a regular practice of purging yourself. And, clear, and clearing yourself. Get a piece of paper out. only had time to do one activation, so this is the one I chose. The biggest thing that's going to help you be an effective minister is making sure you're out of the way. I'm telling you, my biggest enemy you're looking at is me. I'm in my way all the time. And I want you to ask God a simple question. Tonight I'll be talking a little bit about how to, I'll give you, uh, I think, seven things to test whether you've heard from God or not, so you're never confused. But this, this is like one that's not even of my seven, so you might be confused. You may not have heard God's voice in a long time, but when you ask him this question, you're about to hear him. You're going to ask him, what in your life is, a, what thought or action in your life is an offense to him? I want you to write, and I don't want you to stop writing until he stops telling you. Don't stop writing. stop writing until he stops speaking.
Amen. list is longer than I wanted it to be. Nothing on my list. Nothing on your list might disqualify you from ministry. But it still might displease God. Everything should be thought about. Everything should be dealt with. Now, when we look at our list, just look at it. If it doesn't really represent your heart or it doesn't represent you or you don't really like it a whole lot, you looking at it? Tell God that you like what he says about the things on this list more than you like doing them. Whatever it is, there's a word answer for it. Let the spirit of God just take 30 seconds. Just let him do it quick. Just let him give you. The word speaks to that thing. The word of God speaks to it. If you're being led of the spirit, you're, not gonna be, you're gonna be led to the word and the grace at the same time. The letter killeth. The spirit gives life. The spirit will lead you to, ah, oh, that's wrong, but you know what? He made a way for you. He's got a plan. If you confess it, he's faithful and just to forgive it. He'll cast it as far as the east is from the west. He'll remember it no more. He won't deal with you according to it. Don't just hear the spirit of the Lord giving you the word of why it's wrong. Hear the spirit of the Lord giving you what he's done to deal with it. This is the gospel. Okay, that's all the time I have, so look up at me so I can give you the final thought here. See that little exercise? That's an everyday type. That's like soap. You got to cleanse yourself regularly. Repent regularly. Keep sin off of you because sin gets in your way of walking in the spirit, walking in fellowship with God. And you want to keep it out of your way. Now, if you had a piece of paper, what I'll be telling you to do is to ball it up and throw it over your left shoulder. Cash your sins as far as the east is. Just get it, right, get it out of your sight, your mind, because God deals with it. He remembers it no more. And then you ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to help you Stay on a new pattern, in a new way, in a new direction. Now, why is this exercise important to you? Because if Jesus is, if, if the Spirit is leading you for Jesus' mission, which is to save the lost world, this is what they need to know. And when it's not alive in you every day that he just forgave you for something and he helped you through something, you're not going to wear the gospel you're not going to wear that Jesus is available. Jesus loves you. Jesus cares about you. 
Let me pray for you in the night. Lord, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that everyone that's been struggling with something, that they gave to you today. I pray, God, that that would be a former struggle, a past thing. God, what they had the inability to do before your spirit came, your anointing that can break a yoke, that can remove a burden came. I pray, God, that now they would have supernatural strength to stand up against the wiles and the schemes of the enemy over their individual life. In the mighty name of Jesus, every calling that's been stopped up, bottled up, capped, that's gone astray, that's been self-energized and self-motivated, we reclaim it now in the mighty name of Jesus, that you're breathing a fresh word of a life for, the, for God the 10th, 20th time, and you're giving them the power to stand in that call. God, I pray that we would all have the power to divorce ourselves from what we want and say, not our will, but your will be done. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we just give him a hand clap of praise?